want to share something very simple. I, I suppose it is very simple anyway. I want to call this uh, Romans 4 faith or the righteousness of faith. You can either call it Romans 4 faith or the righteousness of faith. I want to still see from scriptures where righteousness really begins from. You know, sometimes you, uh, as believers, we're told the things to do, to be righteous in the house of God, the things not to do, and all of that. And uh, when you don't do certain things, you are not righteous. And if you do certain things, you are righteous. Is that okay? But I want us to look at the scriptures and find them precisely. Where does the Christian righteousness begin from? That's what I want to really examine from the scriptures. So let's go to Romans chapter 4. Romans chapter 4. I'm start reading, let me start reading from verse 1. What shall we say then that Abraham, our father, as pertaining to the flesh, had found? What did Abraham find? What was it that um, maybe uh, we were supposed to be looking for? And, uh, no, you know something, perhaps maybe subsequent, maybe. Sunday or there, but you know, the Bible says we should seek for the righteousness of God, seek for the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Is that okay? Right, that means you need to seek for righteousness, meaning righteousness can be found. Because the question is, what is it that Abraham found? Is that okay? It also means that uh, there, there could be some method prescribed by which you find. Righteousness. Is that okay? Because they seek for the kingdom of God. That means righteousness can be sought after. Hmm? Alright. So what kind of righteousness are we supposed to, for instance? Okay, let's progress. Verse number two. For Abraham were justified by works. He had wherefore to glory, but not before God. In other words, if the justification of Abraham was by what he should have done, then the Bible says he could glory, but not before God. In other words, even if he seems to have done some things to qualify him for what he probably could be, could be called righteousness, he could not still have met up with the righteousness of God. He could glory in the things he has done, but he can't glory in the fact that God has seen the things he has done that made him to feel his righteous to be righteous before God. He said he could glory in the works, but he can't glory before God. So what does that mean? It simply also means that there are some things you could probably do that you think qualifies you for God's righteousness. But there is something that God really wants that will make him feel and say you are righteous. 
not what you think you are doing that makes you feel you are righteous. Amen? Okay. Now verse number three. For what say the scripture? Abraham believed God and it was counted to him for righteousness. Now let's say what the scripture said that Paul is quoting from. Let's go down to Genesis 15. When he said, what say the scripture? He was really making reference to a particular scripture. And that's Genesis 15. Let's begin to read from verse 1. After these things, after what things? After Abraham met with Melchizedek, paid tight, and all of that. Is that okay? After these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abraham in a vision. Amen. Saying, Fear not, Abraham, and their shield, and their exceedingly great reward. I'm sure all of us know here precisely that Abraham is not the same person as Abraham. I'm sure you know that. Do we all know that? Mm-hmm. I'm at home. You should be able to know some of those things. Now remember, see who God is promise, making this promise unto here. And then he went further to say, uh, and that she that actually great reward. And Abram said, Lord God, what will thou give me, seeing I go childless, and the steward of my house is this Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, Behold to me, that thou hast given me no seed. And lo, one born in my house is my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, This shall not be thy heir, but he that shall come forth out of thy own bowels shall be thy heir. And he brought him forth abroad and said, Look now towards heaven and tell the stars, and if thou be able to number them. And he said unto him, So shall thy seed be. And he believed in the Lord, and he counted unto him for what? For righteousness. So now, when you say, now you're going to go back to Romans 4. So when you begin to say, Abraham is a righteous man. Then the question is, what did Abraham do to make him righteous? Because you see, the promises that God made to Abraham and the things that Abraham is going to get on the basis of him being righteous is hanging on one thing, belief. Amen? Believe. Don't forget this. You can get things from God because you are righteous. And so sometimes we want to get things from God by either prescribing our own righteousness or laboring in certain areas to be able to make God see us to be righteous, to get some things. But the point is, what I'm trying to raise tonight is, that's a righteousness which is of faith and is based on God's promises. If you can just believe that to God, you are righteous. And in the true sense of it, let's be honest. Like I was sharing with this man, I was speaking to Maxwell over there in Kaduna also. Everything you will ever be in life, everything you ever do in life, everything you probably will be able to achieve in life is based on belief. It's based on belief. Nothing more than that. Even 
this Islamic thing we're talking about, people killing and all that, is strictly based on belief. Nothing more. Somebody can go and kill because he believes. He believes something about what he's intending to do. It's just belief. Okay. So there's a promise. Now what's the promise? That through him, the nations of the earth shall be blessed in this sense, he's going to give him a seed. Amen? And like I always say, Abraham does not have, I mean, he should have Eris Presley over there. Abraham doesn't have two children. He had one child. Is that okay? He had one child. Because if you say Abraham have two children, then God must have had two children. Abraham had one child. And that's why you find that the Bible says he gave his only begotten son. Speaking about God. And then to Abraham, he sacrificed his only child. Did you get that? He had one child. And that's a child of promise. And he got that child when he became Abraham. Not when he was Abraham. When he was Abraham, he had Ishmael. And that tells you that sometimes when you look at the Bible and you're reading, you come across the word flesh. Flesh, most often, is not referring to your human nature. It's actually referring to the old covenant. You see? It's referring to the old covenant, which is rooted through Ishmael. As a child of the flesh. Now, why is it a child of the flesh? Because it was not the promise. So, simple definition of flesh is anything that God didn't say. Did you get that? Very simple. Whatever thing God didn't make a pronouncement on, whatever God didn't promise you for or promise to you is flesh. So because there was no promise of Ishmael and Abraham had Ishmael, he became flesh. Now it was so, so that the old covenant can properly come into place. Now this is where you find that in Galatians 3, Paul is saying, who has bewitched you? Remember that? Oh foolish Galatians. Have you begun in the spirit and ending up in the flesh? He's not going to end up in human identity. He's not ending up in the law. Did you see that now? So flesh is not only talking about your attitude. It's, it's dealing with you going back to rules and rituals. Instead of walking in the spirit. That is flesh. Are you seeing this? Even the Philippians, they will tell you, as touching the flesh, a Pharisee. Paul speaking. What does that mean? As touching the flesh, a Pharisee. Jewish man. <laughs> you see what I mean? So anything that is not a promise from God is what? Flesh. Simple definition. So you find that there are still so many Christians who are working in the flesh. Even though they are speaking in tongues. What do I mean by that? If you embark on project that God I'm not really motivated, it's still flesh. It's still flesh. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. Okay, let's get down to Romans 4 back. To Romans 4. But you understand what I'm saying here? Now, anything done in the flesh has nothing to do with righteousness. Righteousness has to do with you believing what God says in relation to a promise from God. Is that okay? Good. Now, Romans 4. Let's look at uh, uh, 
Where did I? Let me let me try something down. When he said it was credited to him for righteousness, that word actually is an accounting word. Hmm? It's, 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 you know, credit and debit. Did you get that? Credit and debit. Now, when is when your account is credited, of course you know what that means. It's like your account is going up. Is that okay? Fine. So God is saying here, just because of his belief, things begin to get credited into his account. You just need to understand how I think it's simple to work with God. And to get things from God without struggling. So things be credited to your account. (laughs) And you see your account going up all because you simply believe in the promises of God. Amen? Okay. I want you to really catch that because to me it's very important. Let's get down to verse 4. So the first thing we saw there in verse 3 is that Abraham was justified not because he worked for it. His account was going on not because he was laboring so hard. But I see that even in the same way in terms of maybe business or whatever. If essentially God gives you a business, God is or giving some promises to you concerning your business, it also comes to the point where you must, you must come a little bit from struggling to get the business to go on. You still just need to believe God and this same ability of God to credit your business follows. And it's all part of where the scripture says the weight of the wicked shall be laid off for the righteous. You may be doing little and achieving more because of the factor of righteousness. Because you see, as we read that you're going to find out, the righteousness we're discussing causes God to become a blessing to that individual. So this righteousness attracts the blessings of God. You're going to see it much later. Is that okay? It attracts the blessings of God. So you see, you come to a place where you work little, but you seem to get more. Because there's a crediting that is taking place. There is something that is enabling what you are doing to rise unknown to you. It is called a factor of the righteousness of faith. Now, this is not claiming a scripture and running with it. I'm not talking about that. But I'm talking about a situation where God perhaps can even give you the scripture if God reveals a scripture to you in the night season, for instance, and you hold on to it, that is what God said, it becomes a revelation, it becomes a rhema, and if you believe that same thing, God takes you up with it. Amen? God takes you up with it. Praise the Lord. Okay, let's go down now to what verse are we? Verse 4. Scripture now says, Now to him that walketh is the reward not reckoned of grace but of debt. You know what that means? You know what? If what you will ever get in life is what you labor for, then it is assuming, it's like saying, God owed you, you labored for God, now he's paying you for your labor. 
Did you get that? He says it's not a record of grace, but of, of debt. You know, if you work for me, I have to pay you. Good. But here God is saying, no, what I'm giving to you is on the ground of grace, not on the ground of what you do. Did you understand that? Now, sometimes I will make God a debtor. Because we think we are working so hard, therefore God must reward us. But that is selfish flesh. Hmm? Because you see, for Abraham to be able to make Ishmael, there was a struggle. How many of you understand that? There was a struggle, there was a debate, as it were. Okay, so now let's get down to verse 5. But to him that walketh not, but believeth on him that justified the ungodly. I want you to know that. His faith is counted for what? Righteousness. Hmm? He justifies what? The ungodly. So you see Abraham, from his father's house, he have done nothing. God said, you just come out. And as he's coming out, and it's like saying, but you said you're going to bless me. Even with the seed, but here is it. You see, even after God had made a promise to Abraham, it took several years before Isaac came forth. Is that okay? And so Abraham was trying to say, but you said you're going to prosper me. You said you're going to bless me. But here I am, Eliezer, and maybe Ishmael, or whatever the case may be. God said, no, I have a promise, and my promise will come to be. Amen? Are you see that? But it is not what Abraham did that made God to make the promise. Abraham didn't promise Isaac. I mean, God didn't promise Isaac to Abraham because of what he was doing. Is that for God or even for himself? Let me put it that way. Some of us say, I'm walking for God. I'm walking, whatever. Yes, fine. You know, I mean, it's, it's okay. But you see, remember what the scripture says in John chapter 6. People came to Jesus and said, Master, what shall we do to do the works of God? Not one. Works. Several. What can we? <laughs> and Jesus said, this is the work. One. Believe in his son. The issue is always believe. In other words, for you to please God, to even bless you, just believe in his son. Just believe in his son. Cease from all these labels and believe in his son. Hallelujah. Amen. So, verse 5 again. Doing that worketh not, the believer on him that justified the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. So there is a faith you get or you can use to touch God that does not, I mean, have nothing to do with what you can do. Okay, let's move on. And now, watch this. This is a faith that justified the ungodly. It's not a faith that justified the godly. I mean, I don't know if you catch that. The God they are supposed to be believers. So I'm talking about faith that the man you call unbeliever can have and is justified before God. So it's not a faith for, if I may use the word, people in the house. It's a faith before you are in the house. I don't know if you are capturing this. Because you have to have this faith and then you are justified before you come to the house. It is your justification that brings you to the house. So he justified the ungodly because they have this faith. That 
That is why initially I said I call this Romans 4 faith because there might probably be other faith. And <laughs> I may probably make you see this. There are only two, we need to speak on that. I'm going to have time to speak, but let me just mention it. Do you know that there are only two people in the Bible that Jesus referred to as those having great faith? If you notice why, one of them was the centurion. Huh? Then the other one was uh, the woman, you know, you understand that? Now, how many of you know that these two people were not Jewish people? So great faith has to do with somebody who does not operate in the law. Come on now. <laughs> it's not a size of what you believe. It is simply you don't believe in the law, you believe in Christ, that you have great faith. Because these people have no law, but they believe in Jesus. They didn't come to him by law. They came to him based on the realization that this is Christ. We speak more on that. But did you capture that? So that we can really understand what great faith is. We we talk on that. Okay. Now let's look at verse 6. Talking about those who justify the ungodly. Then verse 6 now says, Even as David also described the blessedness of the man, Unto whom God imputed righteousness without works. Hmm? Saying, But they whose iniquities are forgiven, whose sins are covered, blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. Are you getting what I'm talking about? Blessedness, blessedness. Where is this man that God intends to bless? It's not the man that seems to know or claims to know or feels he knows. It's not the man that says, perhaps he could boast of the things he's doing to attract the blessings of God. It's a man that says, of myself, I can do nothing. It's a man that I've come to the place to say, God, have mercy on me, a poor sinner. That is a kind of atmosphere. There is nothing for you to boast about when it comes to religious activities before God. Are you still there? So, David is saying there's a blessing that God releases for the people who don't strive to impress God by their religiosity. Just come knowing that life is all about grace. Just come knowing that of yourself you can do nothing. Just come knowing that God can give you the ability to overcome the things that ordinarily you can overcome. I was speaking in Benin and there was this pastor's wife that came to me and said, look pastor, what you are sharing was revealed to my husband 16 years ago, but people didn't believe him. And he suffered so many things. So, but my husband came into it by practical experience. There were issues in his life that he was struggling to overcome. He would fast three days one week, 14 days to overcome the issue. And when he finished the fast, you will seemingly look like he has overcome the issue for about a week. Before you know it, he goes back to it. And then one day the Lord made him to understand that you don't struggle to overcome. I have the grace to make you to overcome. 
And right from that moment, the man's life changed. And he came to me and said, I am glad hearing you say the same thing that God gave to my husband 16 years ago. So we've had a lot of struggles on how to please God. But you can't please God without faith. What faith are we talking about? Faith of righteousness. So when you say without faith it's impossible to please God, we're talking about faith based on righteousness. Not what you've done, but just relying on the promises of God for your life. Trusting Him. Okay, let's move on just a little bit. And now, see, this one I'm talking about because things became so tough and he had some issues. For, like you told me, I think about six, six years now, they're about, he have refused to be, go to any church. He refused to go to any church because his own church came down at a certain level. He refused to be to any particular assembly. I think that meeting we had, and while I was speaking, was either the first time he came to a meeting like that because somebody told him he should come to that meeting. The very first time. And even the one that came to our meeting, even in Kaduna, the same thing, had never refused to be anywhere called church. The very first time I coming to the meeting was the first Saturday that we began the meeting. And she's so happy today. God has the ability. I gave them one simple illustration. I have always said it here. If God can stop Abimelech from doing a thing that he intended to do, the ability is still in God to stop you from doing things you want to do which are not of God. Amen? Oh, what verse are we? Let's look at verse 9. Commit this blessedness then upon the circumcision only or upon the uncircumcision also. It's like saying the Jews and Gentiles. For we say that faith was reckoned to Abraham for righteousness. However, was it then reckoned? I mean, how was it then reckoned? How? When he was in circumcision or in uncircumcision? Not in circumcision, but in uncircumcision. And he received the, seal, the sign of circumcision, a seal of the righteousness of the faith, which he had yet been what? Uncircumcised. That he might be the father of all them that believe. Though they be not what? Circumcised. That the righteousness might be imputed unto them all. Amen? Amen. Now, uh, let me read this from the message. Now think, was that declaration made before or after he was marked by the covenant right of circumcision? That's right, before he was marked. That means that the, he underwent circumcision as evidence and confirmation of what God had done long before to bring him into this acceptable standing with himself. And out of God, he had embraced with his own life. What are we saying? Circumcision is a religious right. And if I may, if I may use the word, like in the New Testament, baptism is a religious right. Are, are, we, are we together? But the Bible is saying, was Abraham blessed after he was circumcised or he was blessed before he was circumcised? That's the question. So, 
If he was blessed before he was circumcised, when and where did his righteousness begin from? He was already righteous before he was circumcised. <laughs> did you get that? Abraham was already a righteous man before he was circumcised. So, automatically, things like water baptism, whatever things, maybe lots of all those things you have taken, they are not the thing that make you righteous. You are already a righteous man. In fact, it is, you do this thing because you are a righteous man. You do them because you are a righteous man. You don't do them to be righteous. Are we following this thing? So you should understand where your righteousness begins from. You just need to understand it first. And then, whatever thing you are doing, you are doing it now as what? A righteous man. That's what I want you to see. You are doing whatever thing you need to do now as a Christian because you are righteous. You are not doing it to be righteous. There is nothing you can do now to make you righteous. You were already righteous before you became a Christian. So where did it begin from? The day you accepted Jesus. The day you believed in his son. God said you are what? A righteous man. So every other activity you are performing in church, it is not a grant that you are what? A righteous man. You do it because you are a righteous man. You are not doing it to become righteous. You cannot be any more righteous than the one he has imputed in your life. So, if we want to call living out righteousness, mean living because we are righteous people. In other words, we walk as righteous people or as believers. Are we together? I want you to understand. So, Abraham wasn't struggling in life to be righteous. He was already a righteous man. Every other thing was coming to him because he was what? A righteous man. How many of you understand that the scripture described one thing which anytime I read the scripture it baffles me. He said the wicked heart of unbelief. How many of you have read that scripture? Wicked heart of unbelief. He didn't say unbelief. He qualified the unbelief. Wicked heart. But these are people who already had the law as it were. But he still called it the wicked heart of unbelief. But remember how religious they were. Remember how much things they were doing as, in quote, believers. But in the midst of all the practice that they were going through, they never accepted what Jesus had done. Therefore, God called it what? The wicked heart of unbelief. May that not be your portion. Trust in Jesus. It's what I'm trying to tell you tonight. <laughs> Romans faith is your absolute trust in who? In Jesus. In what he has done. You will sleep well. You will rest well. Amen? Just trust in him. You, are, you have been righteous before you started practicing. Because Abraham is only a symbol. And it's an outward symbol. In other words, it is what you do to tell people that you're already a righteous man. Anything you're doing, you're telling people that I'm a righteous man. God already said, I'm righteous before I'm doing what I'm doing. So I'm not doing anything to, to, to gain the righteousness of God. 
And that is why you see all this religious thing, don't do this, don't do this, don't do that. You do all of that so that the people can be what? Righteous. But it's a lie. It's an absolute lie. That's not scripture. The day you accept Jesus Christ, to God you are what? A righteous man. So, your life is lived as a righteous person. In your business place, in your home, in your family, you're living the life you're reading because you are what? A righteous person before God. And the Bible says the blessings begin to come. Amen? Let's see if we can finish this. Verse, verse 13. For the promise that he should be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through what? The righteousness of faith. Amen? The righteousness of faith. This, 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 this is really what I want you to see. So, the righteousness of faith is the righteousness that you gain when you have faith in what he says. When you have faith in what he says. Anytime God gives a word and you believe in what he says, you are a righteous man. On Sunday, God willing, I'll, I'll be sharing something with you. Okay, the prayer meeting goes into Sunday. Buddy? Okay, okay. Otherwise, as it goes on, I'll let you see. When the scripture says in Proverbs 28, the wicked run away no man pursue it, but righteous are bold as a lion. What do you think it means? Who are the righteous? What makes them bold? What will the boldness of your righteousness do for you? God begin to make me say this. You understand that? Who are the wicked that runs? It's the man that doesn't seem to believe. He's just like Adam. Adam begin to run away from God. Because he has no faith in what God has told him. That is truly the wicked man who doesn't believe. He's somebody righteous. They are bold as a lion. And also make you see what a lion means. The lion is not talking about a lion in the bush. Now, don't let me finish up with that. Let's concentrate on this so that you can understand that a lion there is not just talking about animals. Huh? Hallelujah. So, what are we saying here? Here, the Bible is telling us that obviously, the right of circumcision could many Jews rely on for salvation contributed in no way to one's status before God. It gave them no special standing before him because they must be declared righteous on the basis of faith in who? In Christ. All of those things they were doing. How many of you remember the argument was even there in the book of Acts? Let the Gentiles be circumcised. To them, if the Gentiles were not circumcised, they were not believers. But they forgot to realize that Abraham himself was already a righteous man before he was circumcised. They refused to believe that. Because they held it so strong as a religious right. And that is the same problem we, I think we are facing. That is the same problem I think Christians are facing. I, I think the same problem we are facing today in the whole world. We have had certain standards which we think that these are the things that defines and qualifies you as what? As a believer. That if you don't go, you're not a righteous man. If you don't do this, you're not a righteous man. We, you understand that this is the standard. We, we've established our own standard. 
But if Abraham be our father, let's go back and look at this man. How was he that he became a righteous man? He got all the promises. He got all the blessing. And David could even talk about it in Psalm 132 and say, Blessed, Psalm 32, is the man. Hallelujah. I want us to truly embrace what God is doing. I want us to embrace the the joy and the love and the mercy that he has for us. I want us to come to that place of understanding that working with God is so easy and so simple. You just need to simply believe anything and everything he says, especially as he says it to you part-time. Is that okay? Because there could be a general word for the whole church, but there's a specific word for your life. Yesterday woke me up speaking to me from the book of Second Chronicles, and I come and look at what the Lord is saying. I was just imagining what he was trying to tell me. It's personal, so I don't want to share that with you. <laughs> but she said, as I was talking and talking, I said, but you can, it's like you can't get the answer. This thought you had before, God is intended, you do this first before you do this. I said, you are right. And if I have to follow what he's telling me to God, I'm what? A righteous man. You may, you may break your head for what I will want to do or what I, I'm doing. You may give whatever definitions you want. But it has to do with an individual, personal relationship with God and ability to come to the place of knowing and hearing what he wants you to do part-time. That's what defines the true righteousness of faith. Because remember the Bible says, without faith it is impossible to please God. So, what faith are we talking about? It is the righteousness of faith which you can have, which God can credit into your account and your account will be building up on the benefit of the blessedness of the man that he justified even before he became justified. Let me put it that way. Remember what the scripture said. He justified the ungodly. He doesn't justify the godly. He justifies the ungodly and makes them righteous. By simply what they believe. So he says, to whom he called, what does he do? He justified. To whom he justified, does what? He glorified. I want you to look at that progression. So he called Abraham. He justified him. He glorified him by making him the father of many nations. In other words, when God calls you, get ready for glorification. Because he calls you, you're not struggling, you believe him, he will justify you. And when he finish justifying you, he ensures that your name is glorified. That what it means, Jesus, he gave him a name that's above every other name. Not the name that an angel bore. That name that he gave to him glorified him amongst men and beyond angels. Same thing with you. All you need to do is to believe in what he has done. There is the righteousness of faith, whereby the ungodly are justified. God bless you.